The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO and Power Plus, their next generation broker portal that gives you more speed and control over the process. You can now disclose, lock, and manage your loan seamlessly from start to finish, all in one place. It's another reason why greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is Division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Sandra Thompson has been running the FHFA for nearly a year, and she recently sat down with NMP staff writer Doug Page to talk about her plans to make housing more affordable and more accessible. Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. Today, we're bringing you that conversation. So, Director Thompson, um, you know, upon your nomination to your position, you know, it was reported that, you know, during your tenure as FHA director, uh, your focus would be on affordable housing, pushing for equality and mortgage lending. Can you please describe uh, for us the, the problems that you saw with affordable housing, equality and mortgage lending, how you plan to address those issues, and then how you will define success? Sure. So first of all, thank you for the opportunity. And I really do appreciate um, this question because it gives me an opportunity to really uh, address the uh, what I consider to be a misperception and I want to start off by saying that I actually started my career um, as a safety and soundness uh, regulator. And my focus then, um, as well as now, is both safety and soundness and access to housing that's affordable, equitable, and sustainable. And so I just believe that FHFA, even if you go back to the statute, was created with this dual focus, you know, access and safety and soundness. And these are components that support rather than conflict with each other. And my time as director here has very much been kind of the the view that shapes, um, it's been filtered through that lens of safety and soundness and access to credit. And I do appreciate this question because it does allow me to um, discuss an issue that I'm asked about every single day And that is kind of what is FHFA doing to address the problem of affordability? You know, as you well know, that we are in an interesting uh, environment right now. Some of the market dynamics with the rising interest rates and increase in house prices, although that's subsiding a little bit, are really impactful on the housing and mortgage industry. You know, what I've asked Fannie and Freddie to do is to really focus on you know, underserved communities because they are impacted you know, throughout the country uh, more than any other uh, segment. And I think that um, one of the ways that we impact affordability are looking through um, some of the programs that the enterprises have, like the duty to serve program, you know, the affordable housing obligations and benchmarks that we establish, and also through the newly developed equitable housing finance plans. And we also are looking at um, ways to bring in underserved borrowers into the housing finance system. 
And affordability is very much an issue because many people, you know, because of the rising interest rates, you can't really buy the same, your dollars don't go as far as they did a year ago. So if you were going to um, have the ability to spend, let's say, $2,000 or $2,500 on a mortgage every month last year, and let's just say that mortgage was $400,000, you can't do that this year because the interest rates increased the payments. And so home prices and affordability are very much impacted by that. And we've seen year over year increases in home prices. And it's starting to slow a little bit, but the home prices are really unaffordable for many people. And that is, we think, primarily due to a supply issue. And so we are very much uh, behind as a nation in terms of you know, restocking housing supply. And so we are really looking at ways to figure out how we and our regulated entities can be helpful in this space. You know, with regard to affordability, um, I think that one of the things that we've done recently is eliminate some of the upfront fees for first-time home buyers. Um, and these are borrowers that are at or below 100% of the area median income um, in, in most places around the country, but in 120% AMI and high cost areas. We've also eliminated some of these fees for the Home Ready and Home Possible programs, which are Fannie and Freddie's flagship affordable housing products, and also the housing finance um, agency programs like HFA Advantage and the HFA Preferred Loans. And, and these are really you know, local-based initiatives to really bring in you know, affordable buyers to the housing market. Um, we really are focused on making sure that the enterprises are doing everything that they can to be helpful in these uh, very challenging economic times. Sure. But how do you um, how do you come back to measure success? In other words, you, you've got a policy and you've, and you've announced the policy very publicly. Um, but how, how do you I mean, with any any CEO, any yeah, manager, sure. which is you know your position here, um, how do you go off and say we've been successful because we've done this policy? Do you have any way or means of measuring success here? I look at the numbers. OK, yeah, the numbers, strictly the numbers. So here's where we were. Here's where we are. Here's the progress we've made by providing liquidity and acquiring loans in rural areas. This is what we did in 2020. This is what we did in 2021. We effectuated a policy in, let's just say, the end, the beginning of 2022. Here's where we are at the end of 2022. If you don't have measurable, quantifiable goals, then it, it, there's absolutely no way to evaluate whether a policy has been successful or not. And so it's always the data. It's strictly the data. You know, we're fact-driven and data-based and want to make sure that we're measuring these initiatives that we're putting in place using data. Do you, do you have a goal in mind for looking at more houses being purchased by underserved people from underserved communities and or minority buyers? I don't, I don't have a specific numerical goal, 
I just like to see increases in what was versus what is. The the fact of the matter is everybody doesn't want to be a homeowner. There are some people that choose not to be homeowners, but for those persons that do want to purchase a home, I want to make sure that there's a level playing field, that they've got equitable access to all of the um, products that are available through Fannie or Freddie. And also to the extent that, you know, Fannie or Freddie can't serve certain buyers, you know, there's always FHA and VA. And so from our perspective, we just need to do everything that we can to make sure that those persons who want homeownership have the opportunity to approach uh, homeownership and, and service homeowners and that there's you know no barriers in place um, for persons who really would like to be homeowners. In the policy that you announced uh, eliminating some of those fees, the guarantee fees, how does that help uh, you know people who are from underserved communities and or first-time home buyers or minority home buyers? Well, the first thing it does, it eliminates the co- a lot of the costs. One of the things that we did um, is eliminate the uh, loan level price adjustments. Those are upfront fees that borrowers have to pay when they are um, getting a mortgage from the enterprises. So there are a number of borrowers who are going to benefit from the fee elimination, and most of them are composed primarily of you know, purchase borrowers with limited income, borrowers with limited resources for down payments, and borrowers in underserved communities. And I think when we did the analysis, we think that the policy provides a savings of, on average, on average, about $800 in upfront fees. So that's $800 you don't have to pay when you get your loan. And certainly it's not a silver bullet but it is part of the solution that we have for lowering some of the barriers to home ownership. And we do think you know, when we were looking at some of the enterprises re- recent acquisition experiences that approximately one in five borrowers are gonna be eligible for these pricing benefits. So we just believe that you know, making sure that we have a, a tool, and, and in this case, I'm talking about pricing, that the enterprises and FHFA can use that tool to really balance a range of priorities that we have because we do want the enterprises to continue to build capital, but we want to make sure there's a level playing field for all sellers, you know, large and small. And we want to provide support to the enterprise's mission to provide broad access to equitable and sustainable mortgage credit. Gotcha. I, I recently interviewed someone you know, David Stevens. Yeah, I know him. Yes. <laughs> he uh, speaks very highly of you. Um, but uh, while he certainly applauds, you know, the policy that you have recently announced, you know, he also says that due to high high housing prices, higher interest rates, that uh, this is really not going to do all that much. Um, how do you respond to, to a critique like this? Well, I don't consider it a critique. I think that, um, you know, not doing all that much. I, characterize that as marginal impact. I think marginal impact is better than no impact. And we really think that a decrease in borrower, you know, upfront fees and borrower costs is certainly better than an increase or doing nothing. And so, you know, we think it's particularly important when you're trying to purchase a home or especially for the first time home buyer. And so 
while you know we at FHFA don't control macroeconomic conditions, you know we don't control interest rates, we don't control supply. You know, we are taking actions on the things that we do have control over, and we think that that's helpful. And we just believe that it's better to do something than to do nothing. Was was the policy, did you get any push from the Biden administration to initiate this policy, or did the policy come right from you? Well, the policy came from us. Uh, to answer your specific question, no, we did not get any, get any uh, push or input from the Biden administration on this policy. Uh, just by way of background, FHFA, we're an independent agency and our independence is valued. You know, I think the idea that we have put into place had a number of supporters and people have been talking to me about the loan level price adjustments since I um, started, in, in fact, as, an, as the acting director. And one of the things that I committed to as acting director, and you can see this in the scorecard that we uh, publish, and this scorecard sets the objectives that we have for uh, Fannie and Freddie and the Enterprises. You know, we placed a pricing review uh, as a priority in the 2022 scorecard and the strategic plan. And one of the things that we mentioned in that review was we wanted to make sure, again, that we had these principles that when we did this pricing review, that we wanted to make sure that we increased support for, you know, borrowers and underserved communities, borrowers with, you know, low to moderate income, and also that, you know, there weren't any pricing advantages for larger sellers versus smaller sellers. And then also, you know, the enterprises are now accumulating capital, and we want to make sure that they're also achieving some viable returns on that capital. So there are a number of strategic priorities that we have, and we believe that the pricing changes that we are have made and will make are going to further our uh, publicly stated priorities. Gotcha. What I mean, with all due respect to the policy that you that you've initiated here. Um, you know, wouldn't home ownership for a lot of these owners or, or potential buyers uh, be, could you do a plan similar to like what they've done with the VA, which is, you know, the no money down, you know, mortgage, wouldn't that just be an easier way to go off and implement and increase uh, home ownership from the people that you're trying to help the most? Well, you know, I guess with all due respect, you know, what's easy is, is it, necessarily always what's best. You know, case in point, consider what we saw in 2008, which is very uh, impactful to me specifically and to families everywhere. We saw in 2008, the Great Recession, you know, the mortgages and many of them ended up in private label securities. We saw a number of zero down payment mortgage. We saw some of those predatory products. We saw, you know, those 228s and three. 27s where the payment stayed the same for a little while and then you had the payment shock. We saw the IOs. And so from my perspective, and again, and I mentioned this at the outset, I'm a safety and soundness regulator, but I I just think that we have to really embrace the lessons that we learned from the Great Recession. And I do be believe that there were a number of policy changes that were made and, and implemented that now make the mortgage industry a lot different than it was in 2008. Now we've got the ability to repay rule. 
We've got the elimination of some of those risky products and predatory products. And we also have some prudent risk management. And again, you know, we've got uh, a mission here as a safety and soundness regulator to make sure that the enterprises are operating in a safe and sound manner. And so we're going to continue to focus our efforts on the mission that Congress established for you know, the GSEs that are under our supervision. And that's providing liquidity in a safe and sound manner across the nation and also by supporting some of the underserved markets. And again, you know, some of those lessons learned, and I'm not trying to relearn a lesson that, I, that I've already digested. And so I just think that, again, what's easiest may not always be best. Is, is a homeowner uh, more committed to the mortgage if they have to put a, a down payment down? Well, I believe that, um, you know, I, I have a couple of my, my thinking is, you know, not just uh, laser focused on the down payment. You know, we have some low down payment programs, or I should say the enterprises have these low down payment programs. And a number of borrowers have, you know, lots of mitigating factors that mitigate the low down payment. You know, I've got uh, two sons that have, you know, they have fairly, you know, decent jobs and they're able to make, you know, monthly payments and they may or may not have the wherewithal for like a huge down payment, but they're able to make, you know, a monthly mortgage payment. And so, you know, the circumstances really dictate kind of the risk assessment. And that's what we're in the business of doing, assessing the risk. You know, in some cases, you know, low down payments with with mitigating factors, you know, work very well. And in other cases, they don't. And you have mentioned and raised this whole notion of skin in the game. And sometimes it does help when when you have, you know, equity and, and, you know, when you work for something, when you're putting down a down payment on something that's yours, when you're building equity, we think that, um, you know, all circumstances aren't the same, but it would be our preference to have, you know, a low down payment with mitigating factors. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. Sure. The the FHA recently uh, told the GSEs to start using two different credit score providers, uh, FICO 10T and Vantage Score 4.0. Um, what what will these credit scores show that the classic FICO did not show? Sure. So you know that the enterprises uh, have been using classic FICO for about twenty years now, and the FICO 10T and Vantage 4.0 we think we'll provide more accurate credit scores um, than classic FICO. We believe that the market and also investors are gonna be provided with an improved assessment of risk from not just one, but two different credit score models. Um, FICO 10T and Vantage Score 4.0, the updated models are more inclusive than classic FICO. And I know that the enterprises have already taken steps to expand equitable access to credit, but these new and updated credit score modeling systems factor, you know, things like, you know, rental payment histories that borrowers have. They also take into consideration, you know, payments that borrowers make for utilities and telecom. And these are things that 
previously had not been included in the underwriting assessment and are not included in classic FICO. You know, I, I do want to stress that, you know, um, the credit score itself is used through different parts of the mortgage process. It's not just used for underwriting, but it's used for pricing, it's used for pooling, and it's also used for disclosures. And so we know that this is going to be a multi-year effort to engage with stakeholders and incorporate, you know, changing from classic FICO, which people have been using for, you know, well over 20 years to these new models. And it's going to be very deliberate. It's going to be intensive. But we think that it's very much necessary. And, and we're just really excited about the, the opportunity to implement this really important initiative. Um, you know, in a press release that uh, the FHFA posted back in December uh, last year, um, mm -hmm. the agency said it was taking steps to combat appraisal bias. Um, mm -hmm. What step is the FHFA taking to, to change this while at the same time providing prevent potential homeowners and home buyers an accurate picture of the house in the neighborhood where they may purchase a house? So, you know, that we participate, FHFA participates on the um, PAVE task force, which is an interagency task force. It has like all the banking regulators. It's actually led by Secretary Fudge at HUD, and it's also co-chaired by uh, Ambassador Rice of the Domestic Policy Center. And we are very active participants along with, you know, all of the other um, members on this task force. And so what are we doing? We've done a number of things. You know, we joined with the other federal agencies in notifying the Appraisal Foundation that the current the U.S. PAP uh, non-discrimination standard is inadequate and it needs to be revised. We've also, um, you know, Freddie, Freddie Mac has published, you know, a lot of research on appraisal bias. I think that we have also um, worked with Fannie and Freddie to really kind of release and publish detailed research on the topic of appraisal bias. And, and we've also taken a number of actions to reduce potential bias. We really believe, and I mentioned this earlier, that data is really important. And so last month, we published um, a uniform appraisal data set, and it's an aggregate data set, and it has statistics from over 23 million records from Fannie and Freddie. And again, we're really focused on, you know, data-driven, fact-based information and policy decisions that are rooted in data. So we published this aggregate uh, data set so that we could be helpful to researchers and other policymakers on this very issue. And so we think that this tool, the um, data set in particular, and actually published in the data set, it really gives the public access to a broad set of data points and trends that are found in appraisal reports. Now, this is not loan level data because we are very concerned about privacy issues. It's aggregated data. But right now, the public can access statistics from, you know, more than, you know, 23 million appraisal records that we have. And so, again, we just think that it'll be easier for the public to compare appraisal gaps in minority neighborhoods nationwide. And the data is right there. And we've got a lot of information. And it's, so it's not just these anecdotes that we hear about 
you know, people whitewashing their house or removing pictures or doing things to neutralize their home so that a potential buyer um, has no basis for making um, any decisions based on race. Not to say that that happens all the time, but these are the things that we've heard. They've been in the newspaper, they've been on television. And so what we think is important is policy making based on data. And so here's the data. You guys, it's accessible to everyone. Have at it. And will this, uh, okay. Um, so let me ask you this. It, it would seem that many appraisers are, are white from my understanding. I mean, do you have a plan to attract people from underserved communities and minorities into this industry at all, or at least encourage it? So I think that um, the industry itself is making strides, but there's a, a long way to go. I say that Fannie and Freddie are both pursuing initiatives to address this issue. For example, they supported the, um, I think it's the Appraiser Diversity Initiative, which is really um, looking to bring diversity into the appraisal profession, which according to you know labor statistics, and as you mentioned, is one of the least diverse professions in the country. We're also addressing some of the current appraiser qualification requirements through the um, PAVE task force that I mentioned earlier. And also we serve on the appraisal subcommittee with you know, some of our regulatory counterparts. I also mentioned that Fannie Mae has a really um, interesting initiative called Future Housing Leaders, and it provides opportunities to diverse candidates to enter you know, the housing and mortgage industry and Freddie Mac is also pursuing initiatives to improve kind of access to capital for diverse developers for multifamily properties. So we don't necessarily have you know direct impact, but there are contributions that are being made by FHFA and you know Fannie and Freddie. And so we just think that this is important, and we're committed to doing what we can to effectuate you know change in, in the industry. Do you have time for two last questions? Depends on what they are. <laughs> well, I have time for one. How about that? Fair enough. So um, where do you find the passion for your job? Um, I find it in, one, just having the opportunity to make a difference in an area that impacts households everywhere. You know, when people think of FHFA, they think about Fannie and Freddie, but mostly from the single family side. But they both have multifamily portfolios that provide housing for renters. And I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. And I just believe um, with everything that I have that, you know, everybody deserves, you know, safe, decent and affordable housing, whether it's a home that they purchase or an apartment that they live in. And just to have this opportunity is just a blessing for me personally and professionally, because I, I really never would have expected to have this opportunity. I'm just so grateful for it. And I really want to make a difference, you know, in communities across the country. And it's important to me. Uh, housing is important to you know, every household that I know. And so I'm just really hopeful that at the end of my tenure, I can look back and using my metrics and say, here's where we were and here are the policies we implemented. And based on that, we've increased housing you know, in rural areas 
or we've increased um, the we or we've decreased like the time to appraisals in rural areas is with areas we've decreased the cost and we've just made a more efficient and uh, equitable industry and I'm hope I hope I'm hopeful that I really have an opportunity um, to do that. Great. Well, uh, Director Thompson, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, we're grateful for it. Thank you so much. Hope thank we can you. Do it I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. You can also read Doug's article in the January issue of Mortgage Banker Magazine. We'll be right back with the rest of your headlines. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO and Power Plus, their next generation broker portal. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to sign up. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Here's the rest of your headlines for today, November 29th. Home prices continued to cool through the third quarter. According to the FHFA, home prices rose by only a tenth of a percent from the second quarter to an annual rate of 12.4%. And the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller Index shows us that prices slowed even more at the end of the quarter. Prices in September were up 10.6% annually, down from 12.9% in August. Yesterday, we told you mortgage lenders could pay as much as 400% more for credit reports, while Equifax is blaming FICO for the hike. FICO still hasn't commented, but an industry veteran noted that the hike comes after the FHFA announced it will let Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac rely on two credit score models. For 20 years, FICO's classic model has been the only approved standard for the two government-sponsored enterprises. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Cotamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.